program for the Query and Brony community. I'm your host, Coppercap. Thank you for joining us here on Suiting Up for Life, where we seek out those in the furry fandom and the Brony fandom, and get to know what it's like to be a furry and what they do to make who they are a part of the community. Today we have Tommy joining us from Georgia. Yes, Georgia the state, not the country, because I don't speak Georgian. <laughs> Honestly, neither do most of the people here either. Whoopsie whoopsie. I guess they say Georgia's not really a bayou state, it's more of a, um, uh, how would you put it, kind of community. Do you want to be reminded constantly that we hosted the 1996 Olympics? Because <laughs> trust us, we've got plenty of signs telling you that. That is true, that is true. Um, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Um, alrighty. Well, I guess first off, let's just go up and say, uh, ask the first question, of course. Uh, how long have you been part of the fandom, and what brought you here? Well, I think I originally saw the fan content. Oh, good gravy. I don't even remember when I first saw the fan content, but I first became a brony around 2012. I think I marathoned the first season on July 4th, 2012, because I figured if I was going to do it any time, I'd pick a day I could remember. And since then, it's just been a roller coaster. I have not, I've never actually been to Six Flags. I'm gonna sound like a dumb dumb for saying that. No worries, no worries. Well, the quality of Six Flags has gone down, so if, it, if that gives you any indication of where we're going, yeah. Now. Disney's kind of done the same too. <coughs> Replacing Norway with a frozen ride. <coughs> Okay, carry on. Oh dear, oh dear. You sound like you need a, uh, oh, I don't know. I need Coca-Cola without peanuts in it, because that's weird. <laughs> well, okay, what? Well, let's, uh, we'll go on to the next question before we get too far or in perhaps that. I need them to add a world to Disney World that doesn't suck, so carry on. <clears throat> Better at pop. <clears throat> okay. Bring back Horizons already. Carry on. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, uh, what do you do to contribute to the fandom? Well, I breathe, and then people get upset. So, um, I make artwork. A uh, very long time ago, I also DJed on Sonic Radio Boom, which, uh, shout out to Hazel. Hey. Um, I DJed on SRB many years ago. I probably still have the recordings somewhere. I'm probably not very happy with the recordings now. Um, I made music a very long time ago for the fandom, but most of my music isn't really fandom re related, which is why I didn't link most of it. I just sort of sent something that I made recently. Mm -hmm. um, which that has nothing to do with 
me not having ideas. It has more with um, that if, say, for instance, I wanted to sell some music, I wouldn't really feel right selling music that is based off of someone else's intellectual property. Mm -hmm. So that's primarily the reason. The other reason is just like what'll happen is I'm like, oh, here's a song that I could have some musical ideas for. And it's gone. Yeah. And everyone's already remixed it. So, go ahead. No, no, continue, continue. So, um, around three years ago, good gravy, what do you mean 2016 was three years ago? Uh, around three years ago, I picked up Blender again. Now, I actually did have some experience with Blender. But my friend Percy Technic, who, shout out to Percy Technic, he's a co really cool dude, um, got me set up with some pony models, and then I was able to start doing environment modeling and putting ponies in them so that they're more interesting. So ever since then, I've been improving my work, and I didn't think that I would improve so much over several years, but I look at some of my older works, I'm like, wow. I really have improved. Mm -hmm. There was an album I believe that you had out on um, what was it? Not Bandcamp. Go Bandcamp. Yes, I, I kept wanted to think GoFundMe, but I know that's not right. Um, Correct. Do you still have the link for that? Uh, yes, and in fact, I have the link and the. Um, original link that you would have had probably does not work because I changed names recently. Changed my music name to something significantly easier to remember. Mm -hmm. And for those of you watching, if you can see that... Yes, okay. I uh, have the uh, Discord chat room available so they can see that in case I, don't, in case I forget to copy and paste the links later on. Okay. Yes, and uh, I have I myself had listened to a few of these songs, and it's definitely worth a listen. Thank you. Um. Now, I think we already know the answer to this question, but we'll go ahead and ask this anyway. Make a suit for you. Well, I have a khaki suit that I like to wear from time to time because it's really, really funny. Like, it's just so dated looking. I actually do have a nice variety of suits. But I don't know what that... Oh, yes. Um, I do not actually have a fursuit. <laughs> um, the the fursuit that I wear is made out of... Uh, protein keratin. Uh, it's tan colored. It's, I've been wearing it for 25 years solid with no real problems. Uh, but if I wanted to get a suit to go over that, um, I actually don't know anyone who would make a fursuit, personally. I know people who would make a 3D model of a cartoon horse, but I don't know anyone who would make like a physical suit that you'd put on. Um, I think they're really cool, and I, I think the best form of comedy is I was at Free Weekend Atlanta, and I don't know if someone was just selling fursuit heads and selling those and someone bought it for their kid, or if someone was fursuiting and they gave their kid the fursuit head, but there's this 
kid walking around FWA, and he had this giant, goofy dog head on, and it looked just so funny. Hmm. Now, are we talking like, it's like giant? It's like this giant Animal Crossing head on this itty bitty little body, and it was just so funny. <laughs> Did he have? Is so? I mean, was it stylized like Animal Crossing, or was it more? Like... No, it was just like a normal furry dog head that I guess someone <laughs> gave to their kid to walk around. I don't know. I just saw it for a second. I thought it was hilarious. Oh my! So, uh, would you say it was a step up or a step below uh, the Goofy cosplay at Disney? Oh, I think. <laughs> Hold on, what do you mean the Goofy cosplay at Disney? I'm curious now. Disney, not, goofy, not, not really goofy, like, as in silly, but goofy, as you know, as what? in the cartoon. <laughs> exactly. No. Because, um, I mean, supposedly in theory, Goofy is a dog. So, I mean, when you see the person walking around in the Goofy suit at Disney, I mean... Sure, you know, it's goofy, but it doesn't really look much like a dog. So, I mean, in comparison, I mean, to the short time that you actually saw the mask in the head, would you say the quality was a step up or a step below that? Well, the thing is, I think it really depends on what metric you're judging the quality of a fursuit from, because the thing about Disney's mascot suits is that they have to be sort of versatile in a way that they're not only recognizable, but they look good in poses for photos. Mm -hmm. This is why, by the way, and I saw a whole video essay explaining this, because, um, you know, if you can think of it, there's a video essay on it. Um, this is why Disney's mascot suits look so much better than pretty much anyone else's is because they've had like 50 years of time to learn how to make them in such a way that they look nice in photos because mm -hmm. a lot of like if you look at photos from Nickelodeon a lot of the um, a lot of the characters that Nickelodeon makes suits out of they look kind of creepy because they're always smiling like, they always have this big, goofy smile on, mm -hmm. which in concept sounds like fun, but in practice, it just looks creepy. Whereas Disney suits, they have it so that when they're when you look at them straight on, they just look kind of like they have sort of a happy smile, but not a creepy smile. But then if they tilt the head, I think it's like up, then it looks like they have more of a smile to them. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're smiling for photos. Mm -hmm. uh, which, of course, this is a tangent that has nothing to do with fursuits. I'm just mentioning because it's a detail that I thought was really interesting. Right, right. And also, it's a lot easier to emote when the suit looks more like it's designed for a human to fit in. Whereas SpongeBob SquarePants, I don't know if you can find someone with with uh, one foot long legs and a six foot tall torso. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly think you should call the SCP organization if you see someone like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like someone went a bit too crazy with the pencil and it came alive, but you know. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, so back to fursuits, like, I don't have any problem with fursuits, I just don't have one, because I don't have, like, the $2,000 to get a good one. Mm -hmm. 
Are there any suitors, any suit makers that you have had your eye on by any chance? Um, I haven't, because, again, it's like my computer costs about as much as a fursuit would cost, and I don't think I could do Blender animations on a fursuit. That just sounds like a sweaty disaster. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, Plus, I'd probably break it, and then I'd be out another $2,000. Oh, yes. Money has always been an issue when a person decides to choose a fursuit or not. Um, of course, our... And I'll be real quick with this. Is our, our last guest, he may do with those... Uh, I call them pajama suits, where, you know... It... It's kind of like, um, I think I had one of those when I was a kid. It's like a, um, it's kind of like a onesie, but with a hood, so it looks like it's Pikachu or something mm -hmm. like that. Yes. I think those things are great. It's, it's nice to have something for just, you know, something to get them started, to help them feel a little bit more like who they're wanting to be. I feel like kind of the sweet spot is uh, the sweet spot for representing a character plus uh, cost is probably cosplay. Because if you cosplay, then it's like, hey, you can tell who the character is, but you don't have to spend $2,000 on a first day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially if, if you're not exactly, you know, a, live in a first class society where, you know, you can spend five grand and not, you know, blink an eye. I kind of bought a car, or I could have bought a fursuit. Well, let's just say, things have been really sweaty around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we might as well move on to the next question, otherwise we'll never get this done. <laughs> Correct, uh, I could literally bounce questions about this all day because I don't own a fursuit. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go, we'll finish going through the questions, and then if we want to, we'll banter on a little bit more. Uh, All right. Based on your choice of animal or sauna, do you feel it represents your personality, or do you want to be more like it emotionally? Personally, if I if I had to pick a animal to represent myself more than a pony, it would probably be like one of those seals that just sort of sits around and whines at people all day. <laughs> but yeah, I picked a unicorn because, um, because it just seemed like the easiest sort of version of pony to really do stuff with, because when you have a Pegasus or an Earth Pony, you run into problems of, okay, how is this character supposed to interact with objects? So, I picked a unicorn because it just seemed like the easiest. Like, actually, you can see it with my animation. I showed Super Saw solving a Rubik's Cube. Mm -hmm. I do not show Logic Puzzle solving the Rubik's Cube because animating that would be a mess. Yes, yes. Though, though, um, my boyfriend did come up with a reasoning for how he would do it. It is a method called table abuse, which is basically where it's often used for when you're solving with only one hand. Um, 
where it's basically like you tap a cube against the table to move all the parts into the right place. It basically be like that, except him doing it a lot faster. Hmm. And it probably sound it probably sound like uh, if you try to force a ragdoll through a solid object in Gary's Mud too, which is absolutely one of my favorite sounds ever. So carry on. Uh, well, I was. Uh, how long is this animation? Oh, I, let me check the file. I think it's only like a minute and a half long at most. Let me just double check. Uh, it is one minute and 11 seconds. Okay. Let me see if I can bring it up. And again, it's a work in progress, and I was watching it just a few minutes ago. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stuff I forgot to animate in this. Wow, there's a lot of details I forgot to add into this. Let's see. Yeah, let me know when it's playing. Um, you'll notice it's very, very noisy, and that's actually due to two things. Um, one of them is I'm record I rendered it at about a quarter of the resolution that it's going to be when it's done. And the reason for this is it's the difference between waiting 20 seconds for a frame to render versus waiting a minute and 20 seconds for a frame to render, which when you have an animation that's, I think it's, what was it, uh, 1,125 frames long, do the math, it adds up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I know a little bit about that because I have tried. I've dabbled in the art of animation. It, with low quality animations, even it takes forever. Yes, and it really adds up when you're doing 3D because it's like just a few seconds of time shaved off of each frame can help a lot. Especially since it's like, I have a really nice PC, but it's not like Pixar grade where it makes the lights in the next town over dim. And I think if I did manage to do something like that, I'd probably get arrested. So, or at very least, our power bill would get really bad. Mm hmm. Exactly. Alright, let's try. Let's see. Let's try and load. Give it time. It'll it'll get around to it eventually. Actually, so I found out earlier today that Sony Vegas at some point has stopped liking MP3s to the point where, um, so the music track in the background abruptly turned into extremely loud static at the exact same moment that it switched over from being properly rendered to being what's called OpenGL rendered, where it's just like the basic 3D models without all the light calculations and all that. Mm -hmm. So it, I'm not going to send it to you because it's probably not broadcastable, but it was just so funny. Because it's like, oh, that's exactly what that sounds like. Okay. All right. But yeah, go ahead and uh, play the animation. 
Well, technical difficulties. Might have to just share the link and have people view it later. Alrighty. I mean, it's pr the file won't be on there for too long because, again, it's a work in progress, and I usually remove work in progresses from my Google Drive after a while. Hmm. I do apologize to those viewing. If you want, I can just... Uh, or no, I can't send the video file because it's 80-something megabytes in size. Is the video player not working on Google Drive? Mm -mm. Well, it's not working on my end. It might be because my bandwidth might be taken up by the stream. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I do apologize. Everyone. Nah, it's uh, fine. Well, I tried. I tried. Okay. Okay, now, where were we? Okay, yes, yes, yes. Uh, being a, a furry and or brony walking among society, do you feel more or less alone than before you became what you are? Well, consider that before I became a brony, I had approximately zero friends, and now I have several friends from all over the world. Granted, not all of them are even in the same time zone, but uh, some of them are an outright pain to talk to because of their time zone. But uh, other than that, I'd say that I definitely have a lot more friends than I did in 2012. Nice. For instance, you. Yes, that is true. Actually, how long have I known you for? Like, what, like six years? At least six, possibly even seven years. Somewhere of that nature. Uh, I have a poor concept of time. Me too. It's like, it's like, in, in, I feel like, I don't know if this is a generational thing or what, but it's like, you're like, Hey, did you know that you can have a coherent conversation with someone born in 2014? I'm like, no, you can't. No, you can't. 2014 was two years ago. What? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're thinking, you know, the year 2000? That was, was a... 19 years ago. I mean, that was a big year for everybody, but you know what? That's... It was a big year for people who uh, sold all those Y2K books. Mm -hmm. They got really, really excited, and then they realized all their business was gone. That people were probably going to want a refund. And can you believe there's actually a generation now that if you was to ask them, hey, do you know where I can find a VHS player in their, like, VHS? I mean, like, I don't think that there's that many people who don't know what a VHS is at this point. You can thank Vaporwave for that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, I think that VHS honestly continued for a while longer than a lot of people give it credit. Mm -hmm. But, you know. Exactly. Well, I mean... Now, if you ask someone, do you want it on VHS or beta, then they'll look at you like you're crazy. Exactly. Unless they work in broadcast. Fun fact, broadcast kept using Betamax for a really long time. Now, you see, that's something I did not know. 
So apparently broadcasters really liked Betamax because of its extra quality, and a lot of broadcasters did not want to go through all the trouble of converting all their Betamax tapes to digital, so they just kept using Betamax. I mean, I'm sure there's other reasons than just we don't want to convert all of our video library, but I do know that they didn't stop making V8, or, sorry, Betamax tapes until recently. Hmm. It's sort of like the, it's sort of like how, um, I think zip disks, if you remember what those are, I know I do, I'm looking at a zip disk drive right now, um, those actually still continue to be used in some form or another, uh, on aircraft instruments because apparently you can upgrade your maps and for those of you watching he doesn't mean floppy disks so don't get the concept mixed up it's conceptually similar but in execution very different it holds about what was it 90 something times more 100 times more depending on which one you which size you got mm -hmm. and also all those ads are way funnier now that you know that iomega got sued over them because they would have uh, catastrophic data loss that would ruin both the disk and the drive, but, you know, maybe they shouldn't have come out with another storage medium called the click drive at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really funny in hindsight. That's really, really funny in hindsight. Anyways, care old. Oh, dude, don't even get me started on age. Uh... uh... During your day-to-day, -day, since becoming part of the fandom, what are some of the things you've started doing differently in your life? Well, since I, well, you know, like, your life changes a lot over the course of seven years, but, mm -hmm. um, the biggest one probably is that beforehand, like, I just didn't have anyone to talk to most of the day, so I just talked to my family. Now, I don't need a family. I have friends in different area codes. <laughs> Who needs family when my friend, uh, James in the Philippines is awake? Hooray! Exactly. It, so what you're saying is, in a way, the fandom kind of knocks some physical, physical and mental boundaries down for you. Well, and one other thing is that, um, and I know a lot of people like to joke about this, but um, I am actually autistic, and I found a lot of other friends who are also autistic, or at very least, I think the term is not to say you're autistic, but on the spectrum, uh, mm -hmm. through the fandom, although I would absolutely not say that the two are connected, but um, there's a lot of people who I can sort of relate with. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who do 3D art, there's a lot of people who do music, and all that. And it's just, it's nice to have people you can relate to, because it feels like the area I live in is like, do you like to drive a tractor? No? Well, good news, that's <laughs> my entire personality, is driving a tractor and collecting the peaches. So... For those who don't know that are watching, what kind of state is Georgia? Is it agriculture? Is it... It is, well, it's not agriculture on the level of, like, Iowa, but it's, like, it's one of those states where if you're in, 
the Atlanta area, there's some really nice houses and it's a nice downtown area. And then you go a little bit out of Atlanta and it's like, wow, what are we using all this space for? Have oh, you ever boy. seen, have you ever seen that episode in Futurama where, Probably. where, uh, the crew is, you know, trapped under the ocean and then they find this below, you know, the lost city of Atlanta and everyone's oh been turned into goodness mermaids. Oh my gracious. Would you say okay. that, uh... You know, the uh, portrayal of Atlanta being just a Coca-Cola factory and an airport, <laughs> that is actually very accurate for early 2000s Atlanta. And then it became known for, um, and then it just became known for trap music. But, you know, I, I just wish they could have, they feel like they just didn't mention enough how Atlanta was the site of the 1996 Centennial Olympic Games. <laughs> oh, For instance, they did. They could have, Go ahead. Go ahead. They also could have mentioned the uh, Ted Turner Field, now the George uh, University of Georgia football stadium, which was also used as the uh, primary staging ground for the 1996 Bicentennial Centennial <laughs> Olympic Games in Atlanta, Georgia. Buy our hats at the gift shop, please. We want to get rid of them. All of us want to forget, but we're not allowed to. <laughs> If you recall, there was this short, I mean, it was a very short scene, but the mayor, quote-unquote, of Atlanta mentioned, you know, how he, uh, he did offer them to, like, to visit our gift shops, see the Coke factory, and then he, he adds on, please don't leave. <laughs> oh, that is pretty accurate, but actually, um... At the world of Coke, so whenever you go to an attraction that's for a product, so like I'm sure like if you went to like the Cheerwine factory, they'd probably have a similar thing, but I feel like the Coca-Cola factory kind of takes it a step farther because the last time I went there, they had just redone the whole experience. And by redone the whole experience, I mean now they make you sit for 15 minutes literally watching a Coca-Cola ad where they show you the factory. I'm actually not even making that up. They literally sit you down in a theater and make you watch a Coca-Cola ad. And it was the most uncomfortable experience. Like, I'm not one of those people who complains about, about advertising everywhere unless it's for Squarespace. Please stop. Um, but when you make me sit down for 15 minutes to watch an advertisement and there is no, uh, there's no Disney characters and or Ellen DeGeneres and or Bill Nye the Science Guy sitting around, <laughs> it's, it gets just awkward and boring and tiring. God, I just want to see the Willy Wonka factory of Coca-Cola. Get the... <laughs> and get the bottle of Coca-Cola that's uniquely designed for this year, which I will then promptly never drink and then find years later and be like, wow, if I drink this, I'll catch Ligma. Remember when Cherry Coke first came out? Excuse me, Cherry Coke is the actual greatest beverage ever con concocted? <laughs> I haven't In even fact, I was just tried. drinking some earlier. Actually, if you really want a good Coca-Cola experience, have you ever seen a Coca-Cola freestyle machine? 
I have not. Uh, so what they are is they're these big uh, vending machines just for Coca-Cola, and they're usually at restaurants. So the idea is you buy a Coca-Cola cup, and then you can get pretty much any beverage you want that has a touch screen, and you can choose, like, you want Dr. Uh, Maybe not Dr. Pepper. I just forgot who made Dr. Pepper. Um, you can pick Coca-Cola or Diet Coke, or if you're feeling like you hate yourself, you can pick Dr. Pib. Um, you know, like the full range of Coca-Cola products. But then you can also add a flavoring to it. Hmm. So I think the only way to get lemon Coke in the United States, which I haven't tried personally, but I've heard it's really, really popular in France, Um you can get that dispensed to you, and you can also get, like, I think, um, cherry vanilla Coke, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, I sound like a Coke advertisement right now. Uh, <laughs> it's actually, it's a really cool experience. I know there's a Five Guys near me that has one, but it's really, really fun, and you can also, uh, they have an app. Wow, I really am sounding like a Coca-Cola advertisement right now. Uh, they have an app, and you can, like, set up, uh, you can, like, say, like, I want this mixture of different Coca-Cola drinks, which really makes me sound like a Coca-Cola advertisement. And then you can go to the machine and then scan the QR code and watch as the app doesn't work. Wow. I've never once gotten that stupid thing to work, I can't believe it. <laughs> I had to remove it from my phone because it kept asking me to go try Coca-Cola products. I'm like, please, I don't want any more Coca-Cola right now. <laughs> Word of advice, people, you don't give out your email address to everything that requests you to buy their app. Why not? It's fun. I love getting advertisements for things that I looked at 15 years ago. For example, I went to the Ripley's... Uh, Ripley's Museum about four years ago, and I still get spammed with emails about, you know, going back to the museum, which was probably more or less one of the most ex boring experiences of my life. You know what the worst one for it, though, is? Is writing.com. Oh my god, writing.com. If you use their site even once, they will send you 15 emails asking you to read something or buy a t-shirt. And there's no unsubscribe button. Oh, no. You know, that's when you really know you've messed up, when there's no subs unsubscribe button from the emails. Mm-mm-mm. Not the only thing you can do is just send it to your spam folder. So here's the thing, um, I've tried that, and they always seem to find ways around it, which is just great. Yeah, so either get a whole different email, or just live with it. Or just stop using writing.com, because the thing is, is if I want to use, if I want to look at an interactive on writing.com, say, log in and maybe you can use it, then you log in, it's like, can you give us some money, please, and then we'll let you use our website? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I think they strategically designed their website to make it impossible to use. Oh, boy, my favorite. Advertising algorithm sent. 
See, and I'm a web design development major, so or actually I have a degree in it now. So I know I can look at that and like this website isn't using all your server resources. Mm. You're not you're you you're serving me this our website doesn't work page way too quickly for your website to be on in under any actual load right now. The word third party comes to mind. How many parties are going on right now? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> I walked into that one. Okay. Let's move but on to the last. Ay, ay, ay. Let's move on to the final question, shall we? Oh boy. If you met someone who was new to the furry... I would run away and scream. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, if you met someone who was new to the furry and or brony fandom, and they were unsure of which way to go, how would you address the situation? What would you say to them? Well, I don't believe there's any real wrong way to go in that fandom, because the way I see it, if you're going to find a fandom, then generally what'll happen is you're, you'll sort of find people you can relate with and sort of go along with them. Uh, and I feel like a lot of fandoms are like that, where it's like, oh, I like the music. Well, then you'll filter into the sort of the music side of a fandom, or, oh, I like to make art, then you'll sort of filter into the art side of the fandom. Just so long as you're trying to keep away from people who are just there to cause drama, I feel like a lot of fandoms are actually pretty opening and welcoming. Like, I found that the furry fandom is very open and welcoming. I found that the brony fandom is very open and welcoming. You just have to find the right people to sort of get into the fandom with. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you join the fandom, generally, uh, you will sort of find the side of the fandom that you like. Like, there's a side of the fandom that likes certain kinds of music. There's a side of the fandom that likes to discuss certain types of music. Um, I sort of got into the fandom through music. In fact, um, a lot of the friends that I've met, I met through a uh, musician's stream. His name was Double Clef. Uh, I don't think you can find their music anymore. Or at least you can't find their pony music anymore. You can find Double Clef's music just fine now, but they just haven't made pony music in forever. Mm -hmm. I think they're pretty much done with pony stuff, which, again, I'm talking about someone who was making pony music in, like, 2012, so it's like... Season 3 did a lot of the people in, but, mm -hmm. you know... Yes. Actually, I feel like Season... I don't know. And also, season nine supposedly started earlier today, and I was like, "Oh, it did. Well, perhaps yep. I should watch that." Because I was like, "Oh, what do you mean it is today?" Yes. It has. It has indeed broadcasted. At least in America, it has. I should really get around to watching it because what happened was, um, I had watched every single episode up until I think some point in season four. And what happened was, I lived at an older house, and the internet was so slow that when I tried to watch an episode, I just couldn't. Like, it would take just forever to load, and I had to watch it in 360p. So I basically just sort of was like, 
I give up, and I figured I would just watch more later, and then I just never got around to it. But I do want to catch up. It's going to take a while to catch up through, uh, what is it, it's been five seasons now. Oh, good gravy, that's like a hundred episodes. Um, it'll take a while to catch up, but I definitely want to. Well, it's, it, it does hit sort of a lull between season three and four, where there are a few episodes that kind of would, that did turn quite a few fans off. I won't say anything for spoiler reasons in case for those the of you. ones, The ones that sort of went a bit too heavy on the buy our toys, please. Mm-hmm. And granted, that still is in place throughout most of the show, but, you know, it's... They... I mean, like, that's kind of the whole reason the show exists in the first place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, like, sometimes... You just want to watch a nice show and not be reminded that you could purchase this item for $20 at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Lauren Faust, bless her heart, brought the show back in a way that was less about advertising and more about values and morals. And about, and it's not just about the values and morals, it's about producing a good entertainment product. Like, mm-hmm. as in to have... This is also why... Um, a lot of people point to DuckTales, which I remember watching as a kid. Mm-hmm. DuckTales is sort of being the show that got cartoons to go from just advertisements for toys made on a shoestring budget mm-hmm. to being actual like cartoons that you would actually want to watch. Stories that like, would actually grab the audience. Yeah, it's like, it's an actual, because back then, animation, it still is really expensive. Mm-hmm. But the trick is to find that sort of sweet spot between quality and price. And I think Disney kind of did that with DuckTales. Though it wasn't just the show, it was also that they were syndicating it and all that other stuff. But... It's sort of, that's partly why MLP picked up so well, is because it wasn't just that there were toy sales pushing the show forward, but also that people were tuning in to actually enjoy the show, and they were telling their friends about it, and uh, it actually picked up as an enjoyable show in its own right, rather than just be... Hello, children. My name is Princess Celestia, available for nineteen ninety-five at your local Target and Walmart. Buy mm-hmm. now, and you'll get a free Twilight Sparkle, Twilight Sparkle plushie with every purchase. Exactly. Yep. Let's fly to the castle. Mm-hmm. Now, That's still one of my favorite videos. <laughs> now, granted, for those of you watching, there are right now. Five generations in existence. Only generation four is still on air, but we are currently in season nine, which is supposedly and at this point right now the last season of the show. The the generations prior, generation one was mainly just a movie that was marketed, in fact, towards little girls and, of course, for toys. And in terms of, like, introducing more cartoon-like uh, horse toys for the, for the stores to be able to sell. 
Generation 2, it really went heavy on girly stereotypes rather than Generation 1. Generation 1 was more of a girl movie, but it wasn't too heavy on stereotypes. But Generation 2 is when they really started getting into stereotypes, and it became more of a show. Rainbow Dash always dresses in style. Mmm, exactly. But if, if you're really interested on learning the history of MLP, I would definitely start with the movie. I can't remember the exact title. I think it's just called My Little Pony. But um, Generation 3 and 3.5. Yes, there is a 3.5. Uh, we don't like to talk about it. Just let's just pretend it never existed. I feel like it's the best. I mean, unless you have a very strong ability against cringe, I'd say you might as well just look into it. But I guarantee that you will regret it, and it will haunt you for the rest of your life. It's sort of like, do you want to play one of the Metal Gear games that was not made by Hideo Kojima? Oh. You probably don't. You really don't. Especially if it has zombies in it. It's a very good analogy. Yes. <sighs> anyway. But yeah, and I've heard... I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard that Generation 5 is actually... Um not only maintaining the current target audience of like seven to ten year old girls but actually moving it up to, to be like 10 to was either 13 or 15 so they're actually maintaining the family and keep in mind there's a difference between children's programming and family programming mm -hmm. they're keeping the family programming style and if anything they're making it more family by sort of moving the age range up a bit so they're allowed to get away with a little more. Exactly. So it might be the difference sort of between maybe um, trying to think of a good example. It's sort of like the difference between maybe um, this is probably not a good example Powerpuff Girls yeah, yeah that isn't a good example um, can't think of one but like a show for like that versus, like, maybe Ren and Stimpy. Actually, come to think of it, that is a terrible analogy. <laughs> okay, I'm now imagining what MLP would be like if it was more Ren and Stimpy-like, and it is terrifying in the most hilarious way possible. Uh, let's see. For those, of those, for those of you who are cartoon buffs, pretty much picture... Uh, a show like, uh... Mm. Okay, imagine if you've ever seen, like, one of those, like, gangster Looney Tunes, uh, t-shirts at a discount store, or a gangster Spongebob, imagine that sort of aesthetic, but animated, but not gangster Looney Tunes or Spongebob, it's just sort of that same sort of mood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, exactly. It's like the kind of show which you know that parents definitely wrote in. You're like, why are you allowed to show this on television? Mm -hmm. It's not as it's not as extreme as say 
Bob the Builder and Rocco's Modern Life. It's not that extreme. Cause I was about to. I thought you were going to say Bob the Builder and Family Guy, and I was about to scream. <laughs> I do not like using a reference because Family Guy is nothing but references, so we'll leave that off the table. But for those of you familiar, you know, Bob the Builder is, of course, based on sort of a pre-K kind of kindergarten mentality, even though us older people of the Generation X and Millennials somewhat enjoyed watching it in terms of it was fun to watch. It's sort of like, I feel like it's the sort of same sort of deal that happened with Powerpuff Girls, where even though, like, I remember watching it as a kid, even though I wasn't a girl, because it was a television program that was a family program, because there's a big difference between a children's program and a family program. Mm -hmm. And that difference being, so the idea with the children's show is it's like, you can sit your kid down, you wouldn't want to watch this show, but you could sit your kid down and know that they're going to get some age-appropriate entertainment, uh, nothing too extreme, the most amount of conflict is maybe someone spills a cup of milk, <laughs> um, there's no humor that an adult would enjoy, um, fart jokes are too adult for this content, none are allowed, uh, but family programming it's not just little Susie and little Billy enjoying the television program. It's also mom and pop can enjoy it and maybe grandpa if he's asleep. Um, it's sort of like it's a show that can bring the whole family together to watch it versus I don't want to hear Bob the Builder sing again. Mm -hmm. um, and let's, let's, if you don't mind, let's, let's, uh, what about Sesame Street? Because... The thing is, I found at a certain point, I no longer had interest in Sesame Street, even though I had assumed it was for all ages. But I find myself not entertained by it anymore. Well, here's the thing, actually, interestingly. Um, I've heard some interesting comparisons between Sesame Street and the Muppets. Like, the Muppets as characters have mm -hmm. been used for things that appeal to an older audience than Sesame Street does. Because Sesame Street is a show produced for a specific target audience, whereas the Muppets have been used in TV shows and movies that can appeal to the whole family. So again, it's that difference between children's programming, Sesame Street, and family programming, the Muppets. I get you. So, and it's... Oh, go ahead. Well, it's just that level of intelligence. For the Muppets included more adult-like themes and jokes. Nothing, yeah. you know, beyond PG, of course, but... Yes. Um, but granted, you know, they still, uh, they, they still have it to where it's fun for both kids and adults. Yeah. Whereas Sesame Street, of course, was... Just mainly focused on learning and building and all the other good stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's safe, quiet, simple, well, maybe not quiet, safe, simple content 
for kids. Whereas the Muppets, like in movies and all that, um, the idea is is not only can the kids enjoy it, but also the parents can sit down and enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. Which is the same sort of reason why I think MLP picked up so much is because they realized, hey, we can get the parents in on this, and maybe the parents will buy the merchandise too, and maybe the parents will enjoy the TV program as well. Because, mm-hmm. exactly. and I think there's a really good Walt Disney quote that I can't quite remember the exact quote, but it's like, if you're producing content just to appeal for children, then you're not going to last very long. I can't recall the exact quote, but it was something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, I feel like that's what they're gonna try to continue into mm-hmm. the next series. I'm hoping they can, because um, the thing is, the show that Lauren Faust made, while the base was really good, I feel like it's sort of grown into something beyond what she was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's grown into something that's actually really, really enjoyable. And it's not just because of what Lauren Faust did. It's also because the show's staff was a very talented group of writers and voice actors and musicians. It's just a bunch of creative people coming together to produce something that's enjoyable. Whereas if you have a show that's just like everything's phoned in, then, you know, that whole battle falls apart. But it's more than just, like, a seed grew a little root and then everything sort of, like, progressed from there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as the show went along, instead of, you know, having just the same basic characters and then have just, like, a one-off character show up every now and then, they've actually added characters to it to help appeal to certain people. Like Yes. The- uh, those with autism, those with ADT, uh, those um, those with disabilities even. There is actually an episode, and I won't give away too much, there is actually an episode in MLP that includes a person in a wheelchair, or an, a pony in a wheelchair to help appeal to those who are handicapped. And it does it without being, you know, a hypocritical or stereotypical. And it also helps that the person uh, who's voicing that character is actually someone who's in a wheelchair. I forget his name, but it was a 17-year-old, 17-year-old uh, boy, and he won a. Uh, he, I think he got it through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Mm-hmm. And there was another, another. Make-A-Wish character, I cannot remember what her name is, it's Angel something, and she wanted to be a voice actor, but she has some sort of um, health condition that makes that unlikely to happen, so she was able to voice her own character in the show, but I cannot for the life of me remember which episode it was, because again, I think that both of those episodes sort of happened after the point where my internet was too bad, so... Mm -hmm. I want to watch those episodes, don't get me wrong. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. That's understandable. And at any given point, for those of you watching, MLP is in fact available on Netflix for you to be able to watch the entire series. Um, at any given point, you can go watch it there if you do not have a cable or satellite 
Um, and I'm sure if you look around a little bit and outsource to people, uh, there are other places to which you can watch it. I won't give them away for fact of uh, copyright troubles. But uh, if you ask the right person, if you dig around a little bit, I'm sure that you can find a source that, of course, uh, you can catch up on the shows a little bit without without dealing with, of course, uh, infringing on other on other companies. Um, like I said, I won't give it away uh, verbally for fear of them being hunted down, because there were other places that I've gone to that have been, since been removed. Uh, YouTube is not the place to go, just to let you know on that, which I'm sure most of you who you used to, YouTube probably already understand why. Oh, yeah, actually, back in the day, I couldn't even watch MLP episodes the day they came out on YouTube. I would just watch them on Daily Motion because what would happen is I did not have the hub for later Discovery family. And in fact, I still don't have those channels, I don't think. I think I was only able to watch, to catch them on TV like once. Mm-hmm. And from my memories, from my memory, um,. It's really hard to watch the episodes on the TV channels because they just have so many ads. I mean, it's not quite on Super Bowl levels of ads, Mm -hmm. but it is a lot of ads. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. And in my particular case, it's not that I don't want to watch them on television. It's the fact that most of the times I just am not around when they're, they're on. And I don't have, you know, TiVo or a way to record them. So, my only other option, of course, is to watch them online. I just feel like I just aged 20 years hearing the word TiVo. (laughs) It has been a while since I have heard the word TiVo. Well, I figured if I said TiVo, those watching would understand uh, what I meant, at least by, you know recording yes i i remember tivo i remember i never had one but i remember going to rich people's houses and they'd have a tivo it's like wow they have a tivo how fancy this is what the future will be like exactly and then it wasn't yeah i mean vr is becoming more and more of a thing but i do not own a vr set controller thingamabob yet so and it's just a warning if you do want to get into vr make sure your computer's up to spec too or else you'll get really nauseous because a lot of the problems with nausea with vr from my understanding it's not that it's not the vr itself rather it's the uh frame rate being inconsistent hmm i gotcha Okay. Anyways, uh, we we pretty much covered MLP, and for for those of you watching, hopefully you have a better understanding of the Brony side of the furry fandom, as of course most of you do know that Brony is in fact a furry, but more or less a we're we're more classified as a subspecies of furry. 
I agree with that, but I also feel like there are people who are specifically bronies and not furries, but there's also furries who are specifically not bronies. I think it all just kind of depends on the person. Well, let's just say, we'll call it the abridged definition. They're yes. They're, they're friends. Exactly. Uh, very good friends. Maybe even roommates. But I think it really it really depends on the person because again I don't I feel like fandoms are kind of broad enough that you can't really say that anyone is specifically anything just because of the fandom they're in unless they well I was about to say unless they they like a show but I don't know I've seen some bronies they don't seem to like the show that much anymore. <laughs> Yeah, opinions can change, and I'm sure that there'll be a whole nother generation of bronies that will jump on, and a lot of bronies that may jump off when the generations change as well. Scream Twilight has wings at a brony convention, and see how many people have an aneurysm on the spot. <laughs> also, for those of you watching, this year is the final year for uh, Romicon. I, I'm hoping to get there. I'm really hoping to get there. You're pretty close. I'm in Georgia, and it's up in Maryland, so it would be like a day's drive there, but then it, the expensive part is the lodging and the getting in and the purchasing objects there. Mm -hmm. Because stuff at conventions can get so expensive. Oh my goodness gracious. Preach to the choir. I attended my first convention this previous year at MFF, and my I came back, my wallet was pretty light for, you know, quite some time, and I'm still recovering from that. But it was worth the experience going to, uh, to the convention, of course. Um, yeah. I've been to I've been to um, a few conventions in downtown Atlanta. I've been to Furry Weekend Atlanta, which if you're anywhere in the southeast region, I highly recommend going to because it's I think one of the biggest conventions for furries. I think I'm not positive. Um, there I've been to MomoCon, which is more a not really a furry convention, but it's like a general sort of pop culture. There are maybe not even pop culture, but just like I think it's focused on anime, but they do have furries there, and there is of course brony content there. Oh, and for this convention as well, could you uh, could you tell the audience roughly when these conventions are? Hold on, let me look them up. <laughs> so I know FWA is I think actually it was last month. It's usually around this time. But, uh, it's not. Okay, so I just found FWA. It says it's the fourth largest furry convention in the world. Um, let's see. AWA is October 31st to November 3rd this year. And let's see. Momocon is, let's see. Oh, was it not held last year? Hold on. Okay. 
Yeah, okay, so it says that it's May 23rd to 26th at the Georgia World Congress Center. So, all, actually, I think AWA is also held at the Georgia World Congress Center. Wait, no, it's not. It's at the Renaissance, which I think is also where FWA is held. Let's see. Ah, no, it's not. Okay, so they are held at three completely different locations in the same general area. Uh, so FWA is at the Marriott Marquis, which, fun fact, has the world's largest atrium. Or at least it did at the time. And it was in a bunch of movies because of that. Uh, AWA is at the Renaissance Waverly Hotel, which I forget where that is. And Momocon is at the Georgia World Congress Center, which is where the Georgia Dome used to be, but now it has the Mercedes-Benz Theater, or sorry, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is where Atlanta United is based. Congrats on the 2018 MLS Cup win, by the way. <laughs> That's, by the way, I made a, a nice little piece of art when that happened of my pony with a uh, Atlanta United scarf, which is based off the one that I have. Let me get that picture, it's nice. Let's see. It's around here somewhere. Here it is. Oop. Oh, that's the wrong room for that. Hold on. <laughs> here we go. There you go. So scarves are a big thing in soccer, so I had him holding up a... Uh, a uh, soccer scarf, and oh, someone put in that they're an FC Cincinnati fan, and I think that was one of Atlanta's first games this season, and they lost it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's cute, it's cute. Almost like losing your coach and one of your best players kind of cripples the team. Mm. <laughs> Oops. So anyways... So, anything else you want to talk about? Well, I think we've pretty much covered everything at this point, and I appreciate your time. Um, of course. Before we go, though, as um, we do have a more serious topic to add on to this uh, current stream right now. Uh, one moment while I add an image to the necessary topic that we were getting ready to discuss. those of you unfamiliar, very recently the furry community lost a very important member, a very treasured member. The image that you see is an artist's drawing of this, uh, of this, of this person, furry, and Beloved puppy dog. 
then passed away. Tommy, could you care to give Oh, that? so, sorry, I thought that you were going to tell the full story. So he had um, ALS, which is, uh, hold on, let me, while I Google what ALS is again, uh, it's the same thing that, uh, I think it's David Hillenberg, the guy who made SpongeBob. He had it too. Um, and it's a disease which currently does not have a cure. Um, though he did, uh, I think his name's Dog Bomb, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't know about him until literally yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, he had ALS, and it's one of those diseases that's a really terrible disease. It, your body sort of just sort of stops working over time mm -hmm. and he volunteered to do as much as he could to help research and yesterday at around I think it was 6 p.m. Eastern time he had um oh shoot this is hard to say uh he had his life ended so on his own terms so that he wouldn't have to suffer through the disease. Um, so he had it medically ended. And, um, oh, shoot. It's really hard to say stuff like this because it just makes me really sad to know that stuff like this happens to people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know. I, your will's a little bit stronger than mine right now. Yeah. Though I will point out, and not to minimize the fact that anyone die or anything, but I do believe that when someone when someone's body passes on, they still live on in a way within everyone's memories and hearts and the impact that they had on the world, like what they the benefit they had for ALS research with their cooperation could well have helped speed up a cure so, if not in their, uh, if not through their friendliness in the community and their impact on the community, they would definitely have a uh, effect on the finding of an ALS cure, or at least that's everybody's hope. Mm -hmm. And I would love to donate. I don't currently have any money to donate. I don't have a job at this exact moment, but... Uh, when I do get money, I'm definitely going to donate to ALS. I forget. I think it's ALSA. Let's see. Yes, ALSA. Sorry, I didn't have this up to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, the ALS Association. Or oh boy, I'm not a I'm not a medical major. I can't pronounce this. A Amy Thorpe, okay, I can't contort my voice to read this out. Um, okay. It's a progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects nerve cells in the brain and the spinal cord. Amyothropic, hey, they can tell you how to pronounce it. Okay, so it's amyothropic lateral sclerosis. Mm -hmm. That became a lot easier to read once I was able to pronounce it. Yeah. Carry on. Um, the, for those who wish to do understand more about this disease, I recommend this movie. 
but if you want to understand it more, I highly recommend that you watch it all the way through. Um, I won't give away too many details, but it's something that if you've never experienced it in, you know, in your family or anything of that nature, it will open your eyes to the complications that arise to what that person is going through. It's not just something as simple as being paralyzed. It is something far, far worse. Um, it, I mean, if anyone remembers, and of course I know it still is going on, when you do the ice bucket challenge, it is, it's supposed to represent the pain the person feels. But I can honestly say from the people that I have seen, from the, those that I've witnessed, uh, nothing, I have not had it in my family, of course, but I have seen a few people with it. Uh, the Ice Bucket Challenge does not do it justice. It just gives you a small taste. Um, if... Um, if anyone in your family, or if you know someone with ALS, do your best to reach out to them and comfort them um, in the best way that you can. Uh, they, they probably most likely feel helpless and lost, uh, as Dog Bomb did, but Dog Bomb did his best to contribute to ALS to help find a cure for it. Do your best to remember furries and people like Dog Bomb and uh, seek out those in the fandom and those around you to help them have a better understanding of that people do care. Don't let don't let them have the opportunity to think that, you know, that their lives don't matter. And at a certain point when they're going through this, uh, they will, they will most likely feel that you know, there is nothing left in this world. And I, I won't push it too hard, but remember, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 sorry, I, I was interrupting you. Go ahead. Um, there, even if you aren't a person of faith and you don't have a, a higher authority, as, as far as I'll go to say, to look up to, help them realize that, you know, it's... It is very, it is selfish to take one's own life, but it's even more selfish to let that person believe that they are alone. I, it, it, I'm, I am very shaken right now. It's very hard for me to. I, I had, I had a, you could probably tell just from my voice, I had a hard time even saying what I was saying. We have all lost 
someone close to us at this in some point of our lives and we'll continue to lose others in our lives but however as dark and grim as the ending of a life can be we just remember that there are still lives in the world that can keep on living and to continue to push towards a better life for the next generation is our goal. There are so many things that will lead us, lead us astray and that will make harden our hearts or make us sour to other people, but we can't let that happen. It is our job and it is up to us to let others know that hate is never the answer. And I find that it's especially, it especially helps when you remind people that, like, I know I'm just some do-not-talk show right now, but you got to remember that every person that you encounter, even just, like, the random people on the street, there's still people with friends and family and interests. They're as much of a person with as much depth in their life as you probably have. And it's so, so easy to forget that. It is so easy to forget that every person you speak to on the internet is a person, unless they're a bot, but, you know, most people are people. Um, these are people with their own interests and their own hobbies. These are people who are as much of a person as you are. And it's just, whenever I see someone being just so vitriolic towards others, it just makes me feel awful. It's like, do you remember, do you realize these are people just like you? It's like, you know what I mean? It's, you know. Mm -hmm. Also, real talk, I didn't know that ALS was Lou Gehrig's disease until yesterday. I'd heard of Lou Gehrig's disease when I was a kid, but I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, in Tuesdays with Maury, they refer to it more as Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, but yes, it's ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease is one and the same. Yes, I did not realize that until yesterday. But, um... Which is why I was slightly confused. Like, why are people mentioning Lou Gehrig's disease? Isn't that a different thing? And no, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. But then again, I'm not a science student, so. Uh, say I'm not. It's the same thing that took uh, Steve Hillenberg, mm -hmm. the guy who made SpongeBob. Which, by the way, another great example of children's programming, or sorry, family programming. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think it's one of the. Uh, one of the greatest cartoons of the potentially of all history of cartoons because the impact it's had on the animation world is probably going to live on for a really long time, which is like, I don't personally believe in an afterlife, but I do believe that the impact that a person has on society, on culture, on science, that's the I feel like that's the true afterlife is the impact that you have on the future, like on the 
world beyond your life. That's the true afterlife, I feel. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to demean anyone for thinking otherwise. It's just, that's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I actually lost a uh, friend recently. By recently, I mean last year. His name was uh, Cobalt Flash, and it wasn't to ALS. It was to... There's a name for it, and I cannot remember what it is, but it's a form of muscular dystrophy. So basically, over his entire life, his body just became weaker and weaker until it just didn't work anymore. Um, Maculate degeneration. Yes. Um, there was a specific name for the kind that he had, and I can't remember the name of it. I mean, it hurts for me to even try to remember it, but... I miss him. I miss him a lot. Well, that sure got depressing, didn't it? Yeah, don't worry about it. It's it's not an unfamiliar feeling. If I mean, chances are you walk up to anybody over the age of twenty on the street and I would say 100% of the time they will tell you that they have lost someone. I lost someone when I was a little kid. I lost my grandmother to uh, cervical cancer? Ovarian cancer. It's ovarian. I lost my grandfather to leukemia two years ago. And I lost my grandfather to I don't know what it was. He lost he of something in uh, when I was 17 and then I lost my grandfather on my mother's side when I was no how old was I in 2008 I don't remember uh, 14 I was 14 when he died that really hurt my father lost his job and then my grandfather died what a wonderful time that was this sure got depressing, didn't it? <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to the show where there's a cartoon horse staring at you and we're talking about things that make us depressed. Mm -hmm. Anyways, please do your best, for those of you watching this, to remember Dog Bomb, that even though he was suffering, he still did his part to help those who are suffering with the exact same disease to help find a cure and to help them better deal with their problems. Uh -huh. May he rest in peace. I'd be, I'd be up for a moment, a uh, minute of silence if you would.
All right, that was a minute. That was a long minute. Mm -hmm. I appreciate right. everybody who was uh, tuned into the stream this evening. And yeah. hopefully, I... you can. Go ahead. Hopefully, everyone can take to heart to what they have heard this evening and what they might hear in the future. Bless you all for coming here. Now, uh, let's see, I wonder if we can end this on a lighter note. Um, one thing that comes to mind right now is the politics rep reference about Donald Trump, but we don't want to oh, do that right now. Gracious. Could we not? <laughs> no, let's avoid that. Uh, let me see. So Atlanta United played the world's worst soccer game last <laughs> week. They played while it was it was raining so hard that they had to stop the game for thirty for like an hour. And the coverage I was watching, they switched, switched to a uh, Bundesliga game between FC Bayern München and I think it was Freiburg. And that was significantly more entertaining because it was bright and sunny and everyone wanted to be there. And then they switched back to the MLS game and I think it was Atlanta versus Columbus. Columbus crew, I think. Mm -hmm. And Columbus ended up winning 2-0, to zero, which is exactly what nobody wanted to see happen. God, Zooks, when did a fly get in here? Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, it was raining so hard that the field was shining and the ball would travel about two feet every time it got kicked because there was so much water on the field it was stopping it. <laughs> And again, it doesn't help that Atlanta United's new soccer coach uh, is about as entertaining as watching the bowl of ramen in front of me go cold. Wow, I forgot that was there. And um, they lost Miguel Almiron, who was one of their best players and an excellent, uh, an excellent wingman to Joseph Martinez, who ended up winning an award for the most goals in one season. Hello, welcome to uh, Omega Republic, where I have some <laughs> hot takes on American soccer. <laughs> I didn't even grow up watching soccer. I just started watching it, la I think it was last year or the year before last. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that there would ever be a topper to win uh, Atlanta also played Charleston, or no, I keep saying Charleston, I mean Columbus. And they also played Columbus, and then it ended up going into, it ended up Atlanta lost. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> Waiting an hour and a half to know that you lost. Oh, boy. That was so much fun. Uh, well, thank you for that, Tommy. You're welcome. And for that, we will end on this quote. 
When life brings you big winds of change that almost blow you over, close your eyes, hold on tight, and believe. Lisa Liverman Wang. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.